This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're in uh, Psalm chapter 66. He says, uh, we don't know the author to this song. This is a straight up praise song, basically. It's a praise song to God. And on Tuesday, Psalm 66, one, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Notice that that it starts out with a joyful shout. A, 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 I, I, I love the feeling that, that worship ought to be reverent. Understanding that I, as a pastor, uh, one of the one of the terms that is used to to I guess it's a suffix. It's a predicate to your name is reverend. The word for reverend is actually comes from a Latin word, and and the Latin word means awful and terrible. And uh, so many times we we uh, we're in a situation and people want us to be reverent as to God. God is awful and terrible for those who are sinners, and for those who are lost, and for those who are under His judgment. But he's not that to his people. He's not, he's not a God of, of judgment and death. He's a God of life and hope. And we're not to revere in the sense of being scared and quiet and cowering before him. We're to be bold before him. We're to be joyful before him. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I don't really like to be called reverend. I don't really want to be called reverend. And the reason is because I hope I'm not awful and terrible. I hope I'm not someone to be hated and feared rather than to be loved and and someone who is a source of hope and help, not a source of of pain and and death. God's people should make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. He says the whole earth should shout to God. Sure, the whole earth should shout to God because it has been redeemed by Jesus. But we more than any should make that joyful shout. Sing out the honor of his name. We should sing and praise him in the honor of his name. We should make his praise glorious. That's what he's saying. It should be loud. It should be powerful. It should be proud. He says, Say to God, he, he's going to tell us what he, we ought to say. We ought to say, how awesome are your works? We ought to talk about the great things that, that the place that he's given us to live, the wonderful place that he's given us to live, the things that we can look and see and, and the wonders of, of his creation. He says, and, and the wonders of his universe. He says, how awesome are your works through the greatness of your power. Notice the, the awesomeness of his work is to reveal or to glorify the greatness of his power. Your enemies shall submit to you. Notice he's saying, it shall submit themselves to you. Remember, we talked about that yesterday and today. Every knee shall bow and tongue confess. He is glorious and he's worthy to be praised. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. See, we often think that this is one of those things where darkness is going to, it's going to be a war and then it's going to be over and darkness is going to be totally vanquished, which it will be, but that all his enemies will be, gone. No, his enemies are going to bow before him. 
as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so he says, all the earth shall worship you and sing praise to you. They shall sing praise to your name. If all the earth is going to do that, if all of creation is going to do that, if Satan and the fallen angels are going to do that, if the demonic uh, realm is going to do that, if lost people are going to do that, why wouldn't we do that? He says, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. Now, notice he, he, he transitions now from the all of creation to the sons of men. He says, come and see that there's something attractive about a people who is who are worshiping God. And I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm talking about genuine desire in the heart to seek out and to worship God. And let me tell you, darkness flees from that. And it's powerful in a worship service when God's people are seeking him out and worshiping him. He says, come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men. He turned the sea into dry land. And he's going to, David, the writer of this psalm, it's not David, but the writer of the psalm refers back to some of the great works God has done for his people, which is when he took them out of Egypt and allowed them to cross the Red Sea on dry land. He said he turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. Notice he says, he says, not only did they go through the sea on dry land, but when they crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, they didn't have to get in boats and cross the river. They didn't have, they didn't have to be endangered to cross the river. They went through the river on foot. He dried up the Jordan River so that they could cross it. They will rejoice in him. Notice he says they're worshiping him because of that. They're worshiping him. Let me ask you, are, are you, do you consider the things that God has done and, and worship him for those things? Do you consider the works of his hands and worship him for those things? Do you see the gifts that he's given, but more importantly, the times that he has he stepped in and redeemed you and saved you and fixed, fixed situation and solved problems? Do you rejoice in him and in, in what he's done? Do you do that? If, if you don't, you're less than, you're less than even his enemies are going to do. He says, they went through the river on foot they will rejoice in him. He rules by his power forever. He does. His eyes observe the nations. He's watching. He, he rules in power and he's watching. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all-seeing, all-knowing. He, he, is, he is everything. He says, his eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Meaning the, those who rebel against him, they're not going to be exalted. Oh, bless our God, you peoples. Oh, bless our God, you peoples. And make the voice of his praise be to be heard. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be heard praising God. We're supposed to be heard doing the uh, praise uh, of God. That's one of... That's one of the things he asks and even requires of us is that we praise him and make his voice and make the voice of his praise to be heard who keep our souls among the living. Notice God sustains our life. God sustains our purpose and does not allow our feet to be moved, meaning we have a firm place and we stand strong. We stand, we stand firm and, 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 and powerful before him. He keeps our souls among the living, does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O oh God, have tested us. You, O oh God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. Notice, even in the troubles and difficulties, he's saying, you're making us pure and better. You're making us holy and right. 
He says, you're making us strong, even in the troubles and the difficulties of the moment. Your work is at work in our lives. He says, you brought us into the net and laid, afflic laid affliction on our back. Notice, you're the one, not something else out there. God's the one who allowed the affliction to come. Why? Because he's refining us. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. Notice, boy, you've caused people to prevail over us. You've caused affliction to come upon us. Why? Not for the purpose of our destruction, for the purpose of our best. When I was playing high school fo football, the Bear Bryant had, had, had 20 years before had the Junction Boys or 25 years before, and he'd taken them out to Texas and put them through, well, just torment. And, and it seemed every high school coach 25 years later was trying to have his own junction boys going on in, 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 in summer training practice. It was horrible. It was awful. It was terrible. And, and from what my father uh, told me about his practices growing up, his were even worse. And the whole idea was if you take us and just beat us down to nothing, that we will, will become hard like a, a piece of wrought iron and, and nothing will be able to stop us. Well, the truth is it probably destroyed our bodies so much that it was hard for us to really compete through a 12, 15 game season. It destroyed us, but that's not true of what God does. Everything that God works out in your life works not only to your advantage, it strengthens and makes you better and greater. And, and no matter what the affliction you're dealing with, it, it makes you more, uh, better, more, it makes you more complete. It makes you stronger and it prepares you not only for what's to come, but it also glorifies God in the moment. He said, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Notice he took us through those things. But he brought us out on the other side to rich fulfillment, to, to uh, fullness and completeness. He says, I will go into your house with burnt offerings. Notice I'm going to go in there with, I'm going to go in there with burnt offerings for my sin. He said, I will pay you my vows. Notice it goes back to, I'm going to do what I promised to do because you are faithful to do what you've promised to do to me. He says, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. He says, I've come out of that trouble and I'm being richly fulfilled, but I'm going to fulfill what I said to you. I'm going to, I'm going to do and walk and become what I said I would in the midst of the trouble that I was in. He says, I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals. He says, I'm going to give you my very best. That's what that means. The fat was the very best of the, of the meat. And, and he says, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the very best that I have with the sweet aroma of rams. I will offer bulls with goats. He says, I'm going to give you all of it. I'm going to give you everything I have. Come in here, all you who fear God. Is that us? Is that you? If it is, you need to come and hear what God has to say. I, I, I can't emphasize that enough in the moment that I will end. You need to come and hear what God has to say. Not what a man has to say, but what God has to say to your heart. He says, come in here, all you who fear God. And I will declare what he has done for my soul. I will declare what he has done for my soul. I need to hear what he says, and then I need to tell what he says. I need to hear what God says, and then I need to tell it 
And I need to, to glorify him by giving a testimony of, of what God has done in my life. Christians so many times are not willing to do that. Tell the works of God in their own lives. And that's the best part of your power. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our testimony. We overcome by the redemption, atoning work of the redemptive atoning work of Jesus Christ through his blood, through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We overcome by that. And then we overcome by the word of our testimony, by us telling others how that work has worked itself out in our lives. He said, I cried to him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. Notice, he's not just praise Jesus. He's crying out to God and he is extolling him, which means he's 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 bragging on God. That's what he's doing. He's just straight up bragging on God. He says, and he, he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. What he's saying is, if I'm hiding, if I'm hiding sin in my heart, he won't hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. See, what he's telling you is he, God's heard me when I prayed, when I saw him out. God heard it and he attended to me and he took care of me and he gave me hope and life. He said, blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. Blessed is God who he doesn't turn from us. He is always before us. He has always given us his very best. He's always given us life and hope. Oftentimes on Sunday morning, we sing and we just sing. We, we might like the beat. We might like a, a verse or two in what we're singing. But sometimes our voices are being heard, but, but, but just softly. And our minds and our hearts are so far away. I would encourage you. Uh, to not do that. I would encourage you to treat worship as something uh, that you prepare for and you plan for. In fact, I would say that in the morning as you're getting ready to come, that worship should be a part of what you're doing on Sunday morning, a part of your heart. And for young families, that's hard because you got little children running around and, and all kinds of craziness happening on Sunday morning. But preparing your heart, maybe turning on iTunes or something like that and having some worship, preparing to come in and have your mind and your heart focused on what God has you focused on that morning so that when you worship, you're not just singing words, but the words that you're singing, you're actually singing to God. And we try to have our worship songs be be in the first person where we sing to God, where we tell God things in, in, in the songs we sing. And the songs we th sing teach good theology, teach the, the things that we say are either direct quotes from scripture or they come from the biblical ideas that scripture teaches about his people and him and our relationship with him. And so when you come on Sunday morning and anytime you're worshiping God in any event or any place, there has to be some preparation. Otherwise, the songs will be sung, but your heart and mind will be far away and your heart and your mind will not be prepared will not be prepared to hear what God has to say because you never really came in and showed up to worship him and if you were going to see the governor or the president of the United States or if you, if you were going before a judge would you not prepare yourself a little bit would you not think upon the things that needed to be said and done before you showed up wouldn't you wouldn't the purpose for why you're there and try to uh, make sure that purpose 
was carried out. If you're going to do that for human beings who are frail and fragile and flawed, then why would you not do that for uh, God who is who has got all things in his hands and he's turned his heart and his mind to you. He's turned himself to you and he's made his face to shine upon you. So why would you not be prepared to sing to him and prepared, which, which prepares your, the heart or, 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 or the motive part of your to be tuned in so that then the, the, the logical intellectual part of your mind might receive what he's got to say. Why would you not do that? And that's why the Bible teaches us to not be not be quick to fail to assemble ourselves because you can get out of the practice, out of the, the normalcy of seeking God out and seeking his face. And I really believe that those who, who don't do that on a regular basis become isolated, become alone, become their emotive part, their emotions, begin to be more and more afraid and more and more of a struggle. And uh, often they begin to question who they are and who God is. And the whole reason for that is is because you've been outside of his presence for too long. And the psalmist here goes through a praise of God because he, he, he has regularly spent time thinking about God and thinking about the things that he's done and thinking about the work of God in our lives and how that works out. And this praise song carries you through that thought process. But a person who's not spent a whole lot of time with God lately will feel a long way separated from God. And it's not because God has removed himself or that God has has wandered away. It's because you as a sheep have wandered away. And, and God's calling you back. He's calling you back to be in his presence and, and to seek his face. And, and that doesn't have to do with the building and it doesn't have to do with the type of worship and it doesn't have to do with who the pastor is. It has to do with who you are. And you can go to a place where you might not actually like the, the worship a whole lot or, or you might not know the people and not really have a whole lot of relationship with people. And, and you might actually, the pastors, he, he may not be your cup of tea, but if you're regularly seeking God out and you're regularly worshiping God and you're regularly finding yourself in his presence, if, if that's who you are, you can go to those places where it, nothing is really right for you and, and really hear God and really have an experience of intimacy and, and knowing God, even in the midst of all those things, you really can. Because see, God shows up to his people. He doesn't show up to a, a worship set and he doesn't show up to a building and he doesn't show up to a, a, a pastor necessarily. He shows up to his people and all those other things are, are designed to help his people come into his presence. A pastor's job is not to bring people to him. A pastor's job is to point his people to, to Jesus, is to, is to point the way. Worship a team job is not to gain worship or glory for themselves. It's to prepare the hearts of the people to receive him. And a building is just a place for us to gather. And it's not, doesn't have anything to do with what it looked like, looks like, where it's at, or what name's on it. What matters is, is God's people are coming to meet with him. And even in the most peculiar settings where all over the world, God's people are worshiping him and seeking him out. Even in a place where you uh, really don't even know anything or have anything in common with what's happening. You can find God there because God shows up to meet with his people. 
And when God's people come with hearts tuned toward his awesome work and who he is and, and their minds set on uh, the things of God, not the things of this world, when they do that, God moves in their presence. And we're in the dog days of summer. And um, you say, and I've had pastors say, summertime's not really the time to make any ground in the church. And in all actuality, probably that there's some truth to that, that you're not going to really do anything big in the summer because people's hearts are t- turned toward somewhere, something else. But I, I do know one thing that we can do as a church, and we can build our faithfulness muscles up, and we can, we can be a people who regularly and intentionally find themselves doing what God has told them to do so that maybe when the days of harvest are, the people are strong and ready rather than we having to, to strengthen and, and build everybody up you know, trying to get the harvest in, we can have a people who are ready for the harvest because they have been faithfully obedient in the days and weeks and months past preparing themselves to see what God's going to do. I will say this, people in a church who does that really will see regular harvest from God. And uh, a person who does that regularly will see the hand of God move in their life on a regular basis. Those that do not cannot expect God's best and not be in the midst of God's best. God has his best and his best is among his people. And we should be in the midst of that regularly, intentionally, all the time. I hope that today is a day of encouragement. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.